Hello everyone! I hope you're doing well today. My name is Jack. I'm coming to you today as part of what's hopefully becoming the ninth Chevron podcast, where we talk about all things Stargate and modern day and the crossover and memes and basically anything I see on Twitter, which if you aren't following me at Jack2LO'Neal, I encourage you all to do that. But basically what I do here is Babylon about things that make me passionate. That usually is Stargate and the current world and any interchanging or crossing over between the two. And there's one thing in particular today that really stood out. And this is an article from Collider. And the title of it is Why It's Time for a Stargate Reboot. Now, I personally have had a very strong opinion for many months, probably over a year at this point, where I do not want anyone, whether it be Amazon, MGM, Netflix, doesn't matter. I don't want anyone to touch Stargate. And my reasoning, I think, is pretty sound. All you have to do is look at comparable science fiction films or beloved franchises, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Lord of the Rings, and look at how these studios have, have handled them. And it hasn't been good. If you're a longtime fan, you usually despise how they've handled these. With Lord of the Rings and Star Trek really being standout examples of poor respect towards the lore and the people who love these franchises. And I don't think Stargate is somehow immune from this. But there are a lot of people on Twitter, and including some people now, with MGM being acquired by Amazon, and Amazon has gobs of money and they're interested in remaking things, these people really want to see a Stargate reboot. I usually swat this down and say it would be bad. I would rather have nothing over something that's lore-destroying. But still, people are clamoring for it. They just, I guess, they're arsonists, and Stargate's the latest building in front of them. So I've always been thinking about making a post or you know, a podcast or talking about this in kind of a more formalized manner. And then what do you know? This article from Collider drops in my lap and I say, OK, this pretty much perfectly encapsulates why I don't want anyone to touch the franchise. So we'll go through it together. There are some things that I actually weirdly agree with. Uh, they're not controversial, but I agree with in the article. And then really in two paragraphs, this uh, the person who wrote this, his name's Topher Bigelow, really just gives away the plot, exactly why I don't want it touched. And that will be near the end, so I encourage you to stick with me as we talk through this and go through this adventure together on why he thinks it's time for a Stargate reboot. So we start with the first paragraph, which I think is is worth reading. Uh, there's a lot of recap of what Stargate actually is in the history, which is after this, so we're going to skip that part, but let's read the first paragraph together. This one says, despite the tired complaint to the contrary, reboots do what all stories do, borrow elements from other stories. Reboots borrow more than others, but this is ultimately beneficial as consumers are more willing to invest time and energy in stories and characters they already know and love. That's why the time is right for the next great science fiction franchise revival, Stargate. On its face, you might say, you know, what do you think is wrong with this, Jack? This seems reasonable. It's the second sentence. The second sentence is, I think, a horrible invitation for studios to continue to be lazy. And let me read that sentence again. It says, reboots borrow more than others, but this is ultimately beneficial as consumers are more willing to invest time and energy in stories and characters they already know and love. 
it's not the consumers that appreciate going over the things that we love. It's the corporations that like that we like doing it. And the reason why is because it costs a lot of money and time and effort and courage to come up with a new idea, especially in science fiction, that hasn't been done before. Try it out and make sure you build an intriguing enough ensemble of characters and plot to make it work. That was something that made Stargate very successful. It was coming from a film. They had to put together a brand new ensemble, more than just Jack O'Neill, and they had to build a world that was entertaining basically out of nothing. They had a plot device, which is the Stargate. They had an initial movie, but with barely any lore, and that was it. And they built an entire universe out of it. They built a universe that was worthy of 17 seasons across three shows with at least 20 episodes per show. That's mind-blowing. But it took a lot of effort. It was expensive and it ultimately made money, but it was expensive and it was courageous that they had to do that. So when he says it's ultimately beneficial as consumers are more willing to invest time, that's only true if it's good. And it's also irrelevant. Consumers are willing to invest time in a new show if it's good and a new concept if it's good. They're not willing to invest time even in a reboot if it sucks. And you saw that with Star Wars, the, de- the de- degradation and box office returns and interest after the second, second, third round of movies, whatever the one Rian Johnson did. And you're seeing this with Star Trek, too. They keep making it, but true fans are not tuning into this. They've been burned one too many times. So I dislike the fact that he's basically giving authority for these studios to not come up with something new, but just remake something because it's easier and there's less time to invest. Like, don't underestimate the average person. If something's good, they're willing to invest the time in it. Anyway, we're going to continue moving on. He goes a couple of uh, paragraphs just recapping the movie, what SG-1 was, the team, Stargate Atlantis, Universe, all of those seasons. goes for a couple paragraphs. I'm not going to bore you. Everyone knows the background on it. Then we get into the meat of the actual argument for reviving Stargate. And the first point he brings up is... This overarching idea that there's a continuing boom of science fiction and it's more popular than ever. And what's weird is that I don't think he makes a very good argument about this. So the first thing he does is he says, you know, the continuing boom of apocalyptic dystopias of Hunger Games, Divergent and Handmaid's Tale. Okay, Hunger Games hasn't had a new movie in many years. Divergent, I don't think either. And The Handmaid's Tale is, yes, on Hulu and it's like fourth or fifth season or something like that. But I wouldn't say it's a powerhouse like... Some people watch it, some people don't. Um, okay, so weird, not quite there. But then he also then rolls into a couple of franchises that I don't think are sci-fi. The next paragraph he talks about, nowhere is that power more impressive than Marvel and DC's cinematic universes. That's not sci-fi. That, that's superhero. And there's a distinct difference. You don't, like, what's funny is, there is a Thor in Marvel, right? We don't say, oh, that's the same as the Thor in Stargate, right? You know, it's a gray man and a giant beefy alien. Like, there's a key difference. In, in, in superhero films, Thor is literally an embodiment of what, the, of what the writings are. He's this big, burly, Nordic man that can throw thunder through the sky. What is it in Stargate? Thor is a tiny gray alien who uses the lore to hide behind because people might not be able to understand it. So 
Marvel and DC, like, yeah, okay, he, he cites all these different shows that have come in 2022. Most of them aren't very good, like She-Hulk and, and uh, Miss Marvel and Moon Knight. But it's not sci-fi. So I don't understand this argument. It's like, great, it has staying power. I mean, the new stuff sucks, most of it at least. So who cares if it has staying power if it sucks? And also, if it's not science fiction, why are you bringing it up? So let's keep going. Then we have, historically, the most recognizable of science fiction franchises are Star Wars and Star Trek. And immediately I have a problem here, because Star Wars is not sci-fi. You might scoff at that and disagree with me, and that's fine, but here is my argument for why Star Wars is not sci-fi. Star Wars isn't sci-fi because throughout the movies and most of the TV shows, we don't care about the technology. And especially in the original trilogy, this was a call to action. It was a, a, a fantasy set in a otherworldly outer space universe. It wasn't science fiction. It was you know fantasy, hero's journey. It, it was, in my opinion, closer to Lord of the Rings than it was Star Trek. Some people can disagree, but I don't think anyone would say Star Trek and Star Wars are equivalent science fiction franchises. They may both be in space but they're not necessarily science fiction. You mentioned Star Trek. Obviously, I'm in agreement with that. Star Trek is kind of what I would say is the closest major science fiction corollary to Stargate. Both of them focus on technology. Both of them focus on rooting everything in some sort of realistic explanation for how it could happen. And the only difference is that one of them set in the future with some other societal changes and Stargate is set in the present with just this device, the Stargate being present, and that is what the mechanic is for making the world work. But he talks about how each of these have had staying power. They've got multiple feature films and television series. Now, the problem is, is that he's mentioning all of this as staying power. Staying power doesn't matter if the material sucks. And I think a lot of people would agree, you shouldn't be citing Star Wars and New Trek for quality. You can cite it for quantity, but not quality. And no matter how much crap you sling over the wall, it's still crap, and we're not going to accept it. So who cares about staying power? This is a very weak argument. We get into this next paragraph where he's talking about, first of all, he says in the first uh, sentence, with all of this content, franchises are raking in cash and fans are pleased. Blah, fans are pleased? Maybe the crazy fans you're talking about, but... For all the people I see on Twitter, which if you're not following me, it's Jack2LOneal on Twitter. I don't think fans are pleased by what's happening with Star Trek or Star Wars or a lot of what's happening in the Marvel and DC Cinematic Universe. Maybe with the new Batman, but still, like, no one is sitting here saying, oh, you know, the 90s quality and current quality are equivalent. Everyone that I can see and trust is saying this is going in the wrong direction. And also, I disagree with the raking in the cash. I mean, Solo was a flop. I don't think, and they really don't show this information, I don't think a lot of these uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows are doing particularly well. So you're not, you can say they're raking in cash. I don't actually think you have a lot of evidence for that. So he talks about, uh, you know, they're coming out, they're dangerously close to market saturation, very much agree, and burning out even the most loyal fans. That I also agree with weird how you're talking about hey the quality is great and the fans are pleased but you're burning us out it's like kind of contradictory and then he talks about in this these last two sentences which i'm going to read he says there is broad crossover appeal with stargate for fans of 
these franchises, Star, Star Wars and Star Trek. I definitely agree on the Star Trek front. Star Wars, I'm not so sure about. But then he says, reviving the rich and broad universe of Stargate could provide a respite from universe-altering snaps, five-year missions, and galaxies far away. Which is weird, because he just spent all this time talking about the quantity and all these impressive universes, and then he just criticized the quality. He criticized things that I think a lot of us do, too, which is universe-altering snaps. Like, that's a massive uh, plot device, and a lot of us are, are saying, whoa, hold on, can we just get back to, like, better stories instead of, you know, green lasers shooting through the sky about to end the world? It's strange. He, he mentions all these these franchises. Some of them are related. Some of them aren't. And then he criticizes the quality in an argument to say, let's bring back Stargate, because I guess these <laughs> these horses have been beaten almost dead for these fans. So let's just have these studios beat to death Stargate. It's a very weird argument. All right. Now he's getting into what areas where I actually agree. He's talking about what makes Stargate good quality. And one of them is he's talking about uh, something I've talked about quite a bit is what makes Stargate such a great setting. And I'm going to tell it my way. He, he gets into some of it, some of it not. What really matters is the reason why Stargate, in my opinion, was so successful is you put together a great ensemble, but it's also very relatable. And it's a, an otherworldly idea that in 97, we have this device, we unearthed it, and it connects to hundreds, if not thousands of other Stargates across the universe. And as we go across the universe, we, interestingly enough, are both advanced when we come to some societies, and woefully underpowered and almost annihilated by others. It really creates humanity as an underdog, but also hopeful. And when you partner that with really well-written characters, where you don't have the obnoxiously over-the-top bad guy, even though, you know, Kinsey, you could argue there, but Kinsey's still a very nicely written character, everyone's interesting. Everyone has background. Everyone has depth and characteristics you can explore. And that even includes the side characters, you know, like... Uh, uh, Mayborn and Braytac and all of them. It's it's just a wonderful universe from top to bottom. The characters, the setting, the plot device, all of it is fantastic. And you have natural conflicts. But at the end of the day, it also puts humanity in this hopeful position where we're rooting for ourselves, essentially. It's a very natural way to say, I, I want us to succeed. I want to be able to survive. Yet we're always the underdog, and yet there's always this hopeful tone. So he goes into some of this, and I I actually agree with most of it. Um, but we're going to get to the absolute doozy. The absolute doozy where he really accidentally reveals the plot on why I don't want them to ever touch Stargate. So we're going to skip to near the end. And there's really two paragraphs. Two paragraphs. Get ready, everyone. Two paragraphs where this just falls apart in a second. So if we back up, the reason why... I distrust our current studios remaking is the best case scenario. There's no woke garbage. There's no modern day politics in it, but in all likelihood, it's not very well written. And you could argue Lord of the Rings is closer to that than, than not. And there is some wokeism in it, but it's also just boring. The worst is you get Star Trek diversity or Picard where it's poorly written and it just smacks you over the face with a two by four with wokeism. So with that and in, in having been said, he's done a good job arguing, a decent job, I should say, arguing the quality and the merits of Stargate, 
He had some weak arguments around relating it to the powerhouses. But here is where, without even realizing it, he just tells everyone why we shouldn't touch it. I'm going to read these two paragraphs. And I'm going to pause at the really horrible sentence. So, he says, Ideally, a revived Stargate would also address the racist undertones of many ancient alien theories. All right, we already got the racist word. We knew we couldn't get through this, this sentence, this paragraph, this story, without getting an R word in there, right? It says, almost never applied to works of ancient Europe achievements. These theories are most often believed about the ingenuity of ancient societies of color. This theory exists to delegitimize delegitimize the achievements of African people now and in the past. Here's the doozy, everyone. Listen carefully. This is the sentence that kills it. And a revival of Stargate can counter the bias implicit in this theory as a narrative device. Let that just... Let that just sink in. And a revival of Stargate can counter the bias implicit in this theory as a narrative device. Right there, he is saying, Stargate should counter a biased racist theory, and we can do it through this narrative. That is textbook definition of making a series political. Because before he started talking about, and it's in the prior paragraph, he's talking about Ancient Aliens, the History Channel, Stargate lore, Egypt. I just loved it. I love the fact that it was based in like real world mythology, that this mythology actually is talking about something real. What does he do? He doesn't just focus on how cool that is. He says, it's a racist theory. We need to deconstruct the bias and we need to use Stargate and we need to use it as a narrative device and a cudgel and a hammer and we gotta just smack it out of people because they're all white racists. You're ruining it. Just let the goodness of this this fun, exciting angle for storytelling work. You're making it political. You are making this a problem. But if you thought this was the end of it, no. No, we got another we got another paragraph. So here we go, the second to last paragraph. He says, Stargate's yes and approach to world building also created inconsistency in theme that could be greater explored with a greater depth in a reboot. Okay. The military's role in science and in interplanetary diplomacy. That was already explored. But anyway, the tension of ulterior motives on scientific advancement. That was also covered. Critiques of the cult of tradition. Did did he not see the entire Ori arc? And exposing cross-cultural bias were integral to the Stargate mythos. So he agrees. Cool. But here we go. Here's the sentence. Prepare yourselves. Brace yourself. Striking a more natural balance between the lightheartedness and social critique with intentionality could make the franchise truly great. Catch that last three words? Striking a more natural balance between the lightheartedness and social critique could make the franchise truly great. I don't think he's smart enough, or maybe he is, to realize that by saying that he is admitting the franchise wasn't great. He's saying that if they did this, it would be truly great. If it went political, it would be truly great. I think that thinking is pervasive throughout Hollywood. You have to get political or else it's not truly great. You have to talk about the bias in some theory that the vast majority of people don't know is somehow racist or else it's not truly great. 
you have to have Picard lecture about, I don't know, how Romulans are people. Or else the franchise isn't truly great. You're giving away the plot. You're giving away what, what these studios do. And in those two paragraphs, you completely undermined remaking it. You actually showed why we shouldn't without even realizing it. And that's the problem. A lot of these people don't realize that this, these two paragraphs, those two sentences is what makes these shows, these remakes crap. And no one wants to watch them. We want to escape. We don't want to be lectured again about how we're secret racists, even though we never thought this when we were watching the original show. That's basically the end of it. He's talking about how a reboot would do well to imbue all characters from a storyline with the same wholesome humanity. It's like, how can you say that sentence when you're also talking about Dr. Jackson essentially believing in potentially racist theories? It doesn't make any sense. He, he went over the top. He, went, he jumped the shark. But what he did is he did a great job showing us why we shouldn't have a remake. So I would love to hear people's thoughts. Tell me why I'm a horrible racist for thinking this or tell me that I'm right. I love to hear either. I love to hear the debate. So join me over at Jack2LOneal on Twitter. Please respond. Of course, keep it respectful. Um, But I would love to hear what you have to think, what you have to say. And please like, share, subscribe, whatever people do with podcasts these days. Because I would love to keep yammering on about these things as they come up. It's fun. I usually do it in one, maybe two takes. And then I share it with you all. So thank you for joining. And this is Jack signing out.